Hey, thanks for taking the next step. Thanks for stepping into Starting Point. My name is Jeff, and I have the privilege of serving on the team as lead pastor. Everything has a starting point, including you. And some of you were started on purpose. Some of you were started by accident, uh, at least from your parents' perspective. And some of you were even started through the magic of medicine. Physical life is just one of many starting points. Your romance, formal education, marriage, parenting, and career all have starting points. Your faith has a starting point as well. And that's the focus of this study. Perhaps you were given a framework for faith as a kid and you attended synagogue and temple and mosque and maybe you learned to develop it at home or Sunday school or camp. And throughout all of that, you, you kind of put together a framework for things that you heard and experienced. And this was a, a framework for your faith. And most likely that framework had three beliefs. God is good. God punishes evil and rewards good. God answers prayer. And maybe like you, I was taught that God speaks. Uh, there's an example in the Old Testament with Samuel. He's a kid and he hears a voice. It wakes him up, right? And he hears a voice and he goes, thinks it's the priest. And he's like, the priest is like, no, it's not me. It happened a second time. And the priest is like, listen, it's not me. It happened a third time. And the priest is like, listen, that's God talking to you. You got to listen up. I knew that if God ever woke me up as a kid with an audible voice, my mom would need to start putting plastic sheets on my bed. Now, for many of us, the framework we were handed as kids did not survive the realities and rigors of adulthood. There is a good God. We, we believe that. But we also believe that it's not a so good world, right? It's not a, it's not a good world. Um, we believe that God loves and he loves us. But times we doubt that he loves us. And then people get away with evil and good people suffer. Maybe we can relate to what Karen Armstrong wrote in her book, The Case for God. She writes, The result is that many of us have been left stranded with an incoherent concept of God. We learned about God at the same time we learned about Santa. While our understanding of Santa evolved and matured, our theology remains somewhat infantile. So consequently, here's what happened. Adults often need a new starting point, and that's okay. Like we need a a refresh or a restart. It's not that what our parents, our pastors, or maybe even your priest told us was wrong. It just was inadequate as we became adults. See, the on-ramp to faith for many of us as kids was the Bible. We were told that the Bible was God's Word, and it is. It's God's Word. All of it was held in high esteem, high esteem. but here's where the issue was. It was barely read. Because it was spoken as a book, it became a house of cards. And here's how. If one part as we went off to college could be proven untrue, and then the entire house crumbled. As we were in college, the Bible became literature. It was viewed as sacred, but not scientific. It was viewed as fascinating, but not factual. Most of us never lost our respect for the Bible. It just lost its relevance. See, the less we read, the less we understood. So the less we read and less we understood, the less we were able to explain it when we were questioned. See, the documents that comprised the New Testament weren't officially combined and recognized for 300 years after the resurrection. Yet, there were hundreds of thousands of Christians before that time. So what was their starting point? And that's where we're going to begin today. With the starting point closest to the starting point of the Christian faith. And if it was good enough for them, it's good enough for you and me. 
the starting point for first century non-Jewish people was not the Bible. There was not the Bible that we have. Um, There was no New Testament. And the Greek-speaking, Roman-thinking citizens of these sophisticated cities in the ancient world respected Judaism because it was an old religion, but they didn't believe that there was only one God. It didn't matter what the Greek Old Testament called the Septuagint, which was compiled a couple hundred years before Jesus came along. It didn't matter what it said. They had a hard time getting over that there was one God. Something changed everything, and it was the resurrection that changed everything. And so what we want to do is we want to look at a conversation between Paul and some Athenians who believe that there is more to life than met the eye. However, they wanted to make sure with certainty what they would believe in. So Luke, who traveled with Paul, actually documents this in his letter called Acts. And we're going to find it in Acts 17. And remember, this is happening about 20 years after Jesus died and rose again. So let's look through Acts 17, 16 through 20, and 22 through 33. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So for Paul, multiple idols represented confusion and uncertainty. And so Paul reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks. God-fearing Greeks were converts to Judaism, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Now, Stoics, here's what they believed. They believed the rationality of man. Like, they wanted to figure everything out. Epicureans, on the other hand, they were like, listen, just do you. Just do you. Just live. Don't try to figure things out. Like, just enjoy life. Like, they believed pleasure was the chief end of life. So some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus in the resurrection. Paul knows what he knows because of who he knows. He knew John. He knew Peter. People who were discipled by Jesus for three years. And he knew Jesus' half-brother James. The story continues. And then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus. And where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? In other words, start from the beginning. This is all new to us. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we like to know what they mean. So he's like, listen, so this is what they're saying. Go slow from the beginning. Like we're not Jews with an Old Testament faith. We're adults who know nothing about Jesus. So but then Paul stood up in the meeting and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious or superstitious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now this unknown God was a just-in-case God. It signified a lack of confidence or assurance. Basically, they didn't know. Like many of Americans, right, we have a just-in-case approach. We attend Easter and Christmas, like we say a little prayer, we give a little money. It's just in case. Paul says, so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. 
Like you're guessing. You're guessing. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. He's like, guys, listen up. Listen up. If you missed anything I said, please hear this. There is one God, not many. He's a creator that cannot be contained in his creation. Just like you cannot find the painter in the painting or the sculptor in the sculpture, you can tell a lot about him or her, but you can't find them in there. And it's the same thing with God. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Guys, your God is too small. You you keep bringing this God or that God offerings and food, trying to bribe Try to convince. You don't have to do that with God. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. God, the one that I worship, he's the source of all good. From one man, Paul continues, he made the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and boundaries of their lands. God did this so that we would seek him or investigate him. And perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Then what Paul does is he quotes two Greek poets. He doesn't quote the Greek Septuagint. He quotes two Greek poets. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, that we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring... We should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. He's like, if God is smart enough to make us, why reduce him into something small enough to manipulate? Something you created with your own hands. He says, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now, recently, in the last 20 years, after the resurrection, he commands all people everywhere to repent. Repent of treating God as if he could be kept in a temple made of stone. Paul continues, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. And when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, they fell on their knees, they confessed that Jesus was Lord, and they set about destroying all their idols. Look, that's what you expect to hear, but here's the deal. Some of them sneered. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe that someone could come back from the dead. Apollo was to have said, once a man dies and the earth drinks up his blood, there's no resurrection. Of course, they sneered because they didn't believe it. People didn't rise from the dead. They were no fools. However, others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council. Look, this study is for those who say, hmm, I'm not so sure, but I want to hear more on this subject. The same question Paul left his audience with who is this Jesus? Did God really raise a man from the dead? Did he really come from the Father to make the Father known? And Jesus summed it up this way in John twelve forty six: I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. 
He's like, I've, I've come to make what was previously unknown known. I've come to bring clarity where there was none, certainty where things were uncertain. So the starting point is a question. Who is Jesus? And that's, we're going to pick it up next week. In the meantime, I want to give you a homework assignment. This week in your group, I want everyone to answer these two questions. How and when did your faith journey begin? Like, what was your starting point? And then how well has your faith held up under the rigors of faith? Has it sustained you or have you had a work at sustaining 